Welcome to another episode of Roll or Die. Uh, we love to bring you the OGs on this show and today's guest is definitely one of those. He is a longtime member of Dominance. He is probably well known to most of our listeners out there and if he isn't, he's going to be known after this episode. He's Joseph Hemingway. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot. What number are we up to for these podcasts? Oh, you should have saved me for the 200th episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we can always get you but... back. We can get you back. Well, actually, I think with dominance, I, I need to check this with Dave, but I think I'm the oldest member, as in from the beginning. Like, I still remember walking in the front door when it first opened, which yeah. I don't know what year that was, but it was early 2000s. And then Byron, who's a black belt at our club, um, he was at a similar time, but I think he, I think I got in maybe a month before him. And wow. um, so I think he'd be the second oldest. He was the first black belt at Dominance, but okay. um, I predated him. He just got there faster, much faster. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Ooh. Actually, what 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 is your theory about like evolution in jiu-jitsu? Like um, when people get there faster, is that, are they, is it mat time? Is it club favorites is a genetic oh is it work ethic is it education what is it it's it's that's a tough question to answer because there's so many different black belts there's those black belts who are just machines who just get through it fast because they're you know genetically gifted there's people like me who just grind and grind and grind and eventually get there mm. um and then there's an interesting, interesting question of can you can anyone get a black belt if you're really uncoordinated but you get to training first and you leave last and you're there for 20 years, do you get a black belt? Mm. I don't know the answer, but yeah, I've had that conversation with many people. Everyone's got a different opinion. Some people yeah. say, no, you, you, have to, you have to be awesome. Uh, you definitely have to be able to defend yourself. If you're getting tapped all the time, I don't think you can be a black belt. But if you're, if you're not that good, but you've got really good defense and you've put the time and effort in, I think maybe you can make it. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. What do you guys like think? That. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think you've definitely got to be able to withstand pressure, like however it oh, comes, you know, yeah. because let's face it, like you you eat shit a lot, especially at the start, and you got to be able I'm to kind of suck shit. it up. Oh, yeah, still, yeah, <laughs> at the start and at the end, always, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, you know, you got to be able to suck that up and, you know, you can't be getting too down on yourself about those things because that's, yeah, that's just the way jiu-jitsu is. It's a, yeah. it is like that. So yeah. it always and I remember – Okay. Like even at the start, when I first started doing jiu-jitsu and when I started, um, my coaches were blue belts. I had two blue belts from two different gyms. One was Monash Caulfield, which was um, Pete Polygenis, and the other one was Jeremy Decody from all the martial arts. Mm -hmm. And I was a white belt, obviously, but they were both blue belts. And I'd been training, in my mind, it feels like it was years, but it was probably only six months or a year before dominance opened and I still remember rocking up to dominance and walking in the door for the first time. And there was Camro who was a purple and Dave Christick, who was a brown at the time. And I'd never seen one. I'd just never seen anything about blue and they were gods. They yeah. were just so good. They could do everything. And, um, you know, at the time all I had was a triangle and I didn't really know any other moves because there was no one else to really show you apart from the instructor. And now black belts almost becoming 
commonplace. You know, there's yeah. so many of them. And yeah. at the start, it was not. I, I, I. Anyway, I felt. I think I was at the time. Um, well, well, I thought at the time. Um, I think it was 2004 when John Simons got his black belt, and I thought at the time that was the first black belt to be given in Australia. So I don't know if does anyone know of anyone before then. You mean before John Will and Pete Devine because they got theirs well, overseas? Did it you in mean Australia. they got within it Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not the first Australian, but the first on Australian soil mm. was I believe John, John, yeah, John Simon, and that was 2004 or something. Yeah. Mm. Well, there's another name we can get on the podcast, but Absolutely. apart from Jeremy, oh, he's awesome. everyone else yeah. that you mentioned, we've already had as guests on this show. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's, John that. Simons is just an encyclopedia. He knows everything. Just Perfect. you can ask him any question. And he'll have not one answer, 13 answers. Amazing. I wonder now that you've got me thinking about like gods, right? Um, Like, as you said, when you saw a brown belt or something like that, they were a god. Like what I find myself looking up to nowadays is like the phenoms, you know, they could even be a blue belt and they're tapping black belts. Like, I don't know if you guys are the same Mm. as me, but like, I feel like there's some people out there who just, I don't know. I don't know what they conjure and from where but these people Mm. they're the people who i i just think like i look up to you because i don't know how far you can go with this thing if you're already doing Mm. like that's what i i don't know i find i don't like those guys i don't hate them i hate them (laughs) (laughs) i've got a theory about those you you go first joseph well yeah i think they and i've been around for 20 years and I, i know the kind of people you're talking about and i think um they tend not to last yeah. They mm. tend to come in and they do great and they're kicking ass. And there's another guy in the room who you don't notice who's just there. And over the years, the guy is kicking ass. He just stops because the challenge isn't there for him um, yeah. and things come easy for him. But the guy who's grinding, he's there all the time. He's the guy who gets the black belt. And he's the guy yeah. who's better in the long run because he, he embraces how difficult it is yeah. to do jiu-jitsu, getting bashed yeah. every day. And I'm... Mm. I'm sure that story isn't common to me. Like that's, yeah. I think that would be in every gym. The mm. guy, the most unassuming guy, give it 10 mm. years. He's destroying yeah. everyone. And the guy yeah. who's the stud, he's off doing something else, partying or <laughs> whatever yeah, else. But that guy with the work ethic, he just keeps <laughs> yeah. going, never misses yeah. a session. He's the guy who tears it up. Yeah, you give me and hope, brother. Thank on, you. on the back of that, Joseph, I also think the ones who come in and train like 12 times a week, you know, just killing it. You just can't maintain that for very long. Mm. I yeah, believe I felt victim. that you oh, sorry, know, three you to four times a week, that's ideal because you can yeah. maintain that and hopefully have some kind of life outside of jiu-jitsu with your family, Ooh. with your significant other, with your job. But training that much, it's very hard to maintain. You'll burn out. So mm. those people also tend not Ooh. to last. You know, those ones that come in and kill it, but then by the time they get to purple belt, they drop off because mm. no one can train that much. Your body will just break. Well, that's, 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 that's my story. So I had the exact same experience of just training two or three times a day when I started and getting up to purple belt and I just burnt out on it. And so I've, like a lot of us do, I have that OCD kind of personality that I get too involved in something to the detriment of everything else in my life. All I'm thinking about is jujitsu and arm bars and kimuras. And so when I got to purple belt, I stopped because I, I was just training too much. And then I eventually had kids and then got back into exercise um, and didn't enjoy it. And then I thought, okay, I've got to get back to jujitsu. Jujitsu is the only exercise that I, I look forward to when I'm driving to the gym. 
I'm happy. Like, this is great. But if I'm driving to the gym to you know do bench press or something, I don't I don't look forward to that. <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> chore. It's, it's a pleasure. It's it's great fun. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, what were you going like, to say, Anton? Yeah. I, I, well, I was going to say that. Um, like, for me haven't really had a break. Like I had COVID as a break. Actually, you were talking about your black belt as you got yeah. your black belt and then COVID struck. Uh, yeah, so and yeah, then I was you saying, had a decent um, break then. So what was that break like? Well, yeah, I was making the point then. So we, we uh, Dominance used to be in Richmond and it moved to Abbotsford and I was, I was scheduled to get my black belt at the end of 2019. And it got delayed because we are moving gyms. And then, um, I was about to go on holidays um, and it clashed with when the rating was going to be. I thought, oh, no, I'll go on family holidays because you know, I can get the black belt anytime. <laughs> and um, well, not anytime, but I'll do it next in the next time. grade. <laughs> and uh, yeah, next time is a better phrase it. And then um, and I thought, oh, no, this is such a bucket list thing to do. And I, the first time I started jiu-jitsu, I knew I was going to get a black belt because I just valued it so much. It was just that. You know, it's like seeing Everest going, okay, I'm going to climb that mountain because I value it so much. I'm, I'll eventually get there. Nothing so I was pretty confident I'd always get it. But then um, but then I thought, oh, if I go on the holiday, something could happen. I could break my leg and then you never you never achieve it. So just lock it in and get it. And I, I did the grading. I got my black belt. And it was two weeks later, everything got shut down with COVID. And so much can happen in such a short period of time. Dominance yeah. could have, like all these other gyms, could have gone out of business. Anything could have happened. And then you never get that black belt, um, which, you know, we all understand how hard it is. It was actually, I was reading something the other day that came up in my uh, Facebook feed. It was uh, Conor McGregor put up a post how many years ago saying all he wanted was his UFC belts, uh, 25 million. He wanted to be in the Hall of Fame for UFC and he wanted a black belt. So that was one of his things, you know. <laughs> I forget he, those others. He recently got it. So they are amazing. They're, they're so special to finally get one. Um, yeah. You know, we all understand how difficult it is. And oh, yeah. it, it, of all the things I've achieved in my life outside my family, yeah. my black belt is the thing I'm proud of most. Yeah. 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 Wow, man. So, Joseph, tell us how you got started in Jiu-Jitsu. So you said you thought it was around 2004. That, that's no, pretty early been, days. It would have been even earlier than that. <laughs> I was trying to think about it the other day. So it was me and my brother who we were talking about earlier. Yep. We watched um, uh, Lethal Weapon 4 and Jet Li was in it. And after that, we just wanted to be ninjas because we just, <laughs> Jet Li is so awesome. And we went down to a karate club out in um, Bentley, uh, Dom Amato. And he had he had something there called shoot fighting, which was jiu-jitsu. Jiu it was no gear jiu-jitsu. And this would have been late 90s, and we were doing that. There was, it wasn't gay, it was just we we're just wearing um, t shirts and tracksuit pants. But it was 100% jiu jitsu. It was very um, joint lock focused. So a lot of the, uh, it was very unsophisticated in terms of guard, but you start in side control and you'd have 60 submissions just on different joint locks with the arm. Mm. And then um, from that, we, we then went to Caulfield Monash and Marvel Martial Arts, which is where Pit Polygenis. And uh, Jeremy Ducote were, and that's when we started jujitsu. And then I remember starting jujitsu, thinking, "Wow, guards a real thing." So I knew all the positions beforehand, but I didn't realize how complicated mm. guard was. It was to it, and um, uh, we started doing that. And then from there, I remember when dominance opened, and I, I went to dominance. As I said, 
I still remember walking in Camaro and um, and Dave Christick being there, being the first belts I've ever seen above Blue Bell. And I also started training out in Footscray at Sam Parker's. He had a wrestling club out there and training with uh, Ali Abdu. I remember, I remember the first time I met Talgut out there. So I thought I was pretty good because I've been grappling for a little while. And Talgut came in and I didn't know who he was. He was a pretty unassuming guy. And um, I hadn't seen him wrestling before. We just got paired up together. And he had very, very broken English at the time. And he obviously realized I was just a complete novice. And he just kept saying to me, what have you learned today? You do it. And he was letting me shoot him doing single legs and double legs on him. And it was only afterwards that I realized he's this, you know, star prodigy machine, probably <laughs> the most gifted grappler I've ever grappled against. And it was a kind of a good lesson that you don't have to destroy people. People just completely destroyed me, but he let yeah. me do all my techniques. He, he nurtured me and taught me. And he didn't even know who I was, you know, like I'm just some chump that's walked into the wrestling club. And yeah. I thought that was really yeah. impressive because he's he's grappling royalty. Mm. So that was, uh, yeah. And then after that, he ended up coming down to Dominance, became the, the wrestling coach. Dominance was, a, it was, was and still is such a great place. It was such a hub of activity. We had people like Dan Kelly come down when he was training up. And there's just all these great grapplers coming through the front door. Mm. They were so gifted, wrestled Olympians. And just, yeah. they, they would walk in our front door all the time. And um yeah, it's pretty blessed to, to roll with some of these big names. Absolutely. I can relate to that. We had Alexander Volkanovsky come and train at Absolute. Oh, God. Open, and I got him, I was paired up with him for a class once. And I just, he wasn't big. What was that like? This is the thing. Like, he was not famous. Yeah. Like, he was just on the beginning. But he would have been big then, right? That's probably yeah. when he was a big boy before. Yeah, he, yeah. he uh... was big, but not in name. <laughs> like, he wasn't famous. Sure, sure. And uh, now he's a household name, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, Imagine I Imagine he must have been and... like a pit bull. Yeah, a lot of like dominance and and absolute, especially when Tiago was around, they tend to to share their big names and kind of go train at both. Oh, all the time and and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, I remember Lockie Giles coming down all the time. He's you know, mm. he's absolute royalty, and um, yeah. he would come down all the time. I still remember him from um, Hangar Four. I think he was sixteen at the time and going wow. to Hangar Four. Hangar Four was. I wish it was. Is it still around? I, I don't. If it's still around, I don't think I don't it's think so. it used to be. I think it is. But I think it is. Forward. Isn't it in um in the northern suburbs? And it's like yeah, Essendon pretty cool. or somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. The thing I loved about um Hangar Four was you'd go out, and it was like it was like the level from Street Fighter where you fight Guile. Where I don't know if you, <laughs> if people will be old enough to know that reference, but it's at an airport. There's planes landing in the background. And I fully felt like I was in Street Fighter. It was awesome. And there's so many good people out there. Yeah. Hangar 4 MMA. Yeah. They're in Reservoir now. It's still around. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Newlands Road. Um, may not be the same. I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, the, I wonder yeah, if Pyron um, Cross is out there. Yeah, this is them now. Yeah, that's not the same place. It used to be run by Tyrone Cross, who I remember he was a brown belt at the time and just rolling against him and just... I've never felt pressure like it. These chokes, just you, you're trying to grapple him, and the whole time you're half choked out. He's just he's hanging on these chokes. He was so good. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> tell us, tell us about this, Joseph. This picture. Uh, so this is um, I was around at my brother's place, and I saw some of his niece's pictures, uh, Amelia, and I said to Amelia, "That is so good. I, you have to draw me a picture of me and my brother. So we're the two in the middle." and all our kids and um 
and you need to give it to me for my birthday. And she did. She spent two months drawing this picture. Wow. So, yeah, it's me and George in the middle. George is a purple belt. And he's been around for as long as I have. He's um, he's awesome. Shoot, well, long overdue for, for a uh, brown belt. Mm-hmm. And then um, there are two of my kids and three of his kids. Awesome, man. Awesome. How good is that? It's yeah. such a great, such a great. How thing. old is she that drew this picture? Uh, she's 11. So wow. you yeah, wow. drew it. And then in there is um, her brother, um, Oliver, and her sister, Eloise. And then my yeah. kids, Mira and Marcus. Yeah. So your and they're all good at you. Is this your kids? Uh, my kid's on the far right and then yeah. seconds from the left. Yeah, cool. Yes, awesome. Awesome. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, my mum actually has that picture at the moment. She's getting a frame for all of us. So well, everyone in the family is going to have a copy of it. And so did you and your brother, like we've um, we've had guests on in the past who started when they were quite young and their, their siblings started at a similar time and they would, I guess, practice together. Did you guys do that as well when you were coming up? Uh, we, we drilled all the time together. So every time we went to class, we'd learn certain techniques and we would just drill them again and again and again. And that's really how you get good at anything, I think, just those volume drilling. No, and then kid, um, you, you're a Kit Dale student. He's like, don't, don't do drills. Well, well Kit Dale, Kit Dale's just, um, he's just genetically gifted. He's awesome. Yeah. And he's one of those guys we for hate. just a no, normal people like me, you need to drill. I, I need yeah. to, I need to do it so many times. And the longer I've gone through jujitsu, the less techniques I drill. I just do mm. less and less and less. Mm. But I still drill just as much. But yeah. I've just built my game and. I'm down to the point where I, I jokingly say it after I roll with people, but it's true. I've only really got two moves. Yeah. But those two moves have branching patterns that it becomes very, very complex. Yeah. But it has one single point, one start yeah. point that, that you go through. You obviously need to know everything because you need to defend everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to do everything. I just need I don't need to know spider guard. I know I need to know how to defend it. Um mm-hmm. but it's not a guard for me. I don't like um I don't like any techniques that are dependent on the gi. So I prefer to have um, all my techniques be predominantly no gi. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm rolling with someone in the gi, I will grab it if it's a cherry on top and will make the, the position a little bit stronger. But if it's fundamentally dependent on the gi, then I just, it's not for me. I don't want to have two games. I don't have yeah. time to have two kind of completely different games. Which some people do, but mm. um yeah, I'm too simple these days. I wish I wish I'd followed that, and my my hands wouldn't look like this now from relying <laughs> well, so much hands, on the gi. My hands are perfect. I don't have any finger issues. Wow. I uh, anytime someone's trying to really dog a grip, I let it go, and I feel like the more they're trying to dog it, they're just focusing too much on it. There's so much mm. more going on. Mm. And other people completely disagree with me. Get your grip, hold on to it to the death. But I just let it go, and I'll mm. just okay. You can win that battle, and I'll win another battle on the other side of the uh, mm. of the board. And now my fingers are fine. I have had um, one finger get dislocated um, in a armbar. That was just a freak accident. Just got caught up in the game. But yep. yeah, just let go and and try and um, just try not to grab the gee too much. I, I actually think the grips. If you just grab, get a good wrist grip, I think that's a lot stronger than actually grabbing the sleeve. Mm. If they try and break it, let it go and take something else. Mm. I think those battles don't really matter. There's larger battles to have. And I, I'll be rolling with someone. I feel they'll be grabbing my gi, just like they, they're grabbing around my waist and they're holding onto the gi. And it's just such a weak 
great. If you have a friction grip and you just have your whole arm suction cupped onto the back, mm. I think that is a lot stronger than grabbing the gi itself. I think what I also like about that is that like jujitsu is not about being the stronger opponent, you know, and if you can let go of a grip, if you can believe in your jujitsu so much that you're like, you really want that grip, have it. I'll adjust. Yeah. That is like, oh, I think, think jujitsu is right a lot there. about strength. <laughs> I use a lot of strength. So okay. don't, don't get me <laughs> wrong. I'm not just letting things go, but um, yeah, usually if I, after I roll with someone and if they're going to give me a compliment afterwards, they're not saying really fast, explosive, really technical. It's just you're very strong and very difficult to move. And there's <laughs> technique in that. I just I don't let myself get moved out of position. Right. I don't let people get anything on me. I won't let my arms get exposed because mm. um, that's just fear of injury. If you let your arms flap in the breeze, eventually something's going to go wrong and you're going to get caught. Yeah. That doesn't mean you could put destroying your opponent. I'll let them pass my guard and whatnot mm. um, if I'm playing around with someone. But I won't let my arm get extended because yeah. that's when you're going to get in trouble. Uh, so I always keep a really tight, strong, immovable game. Um, and then just pressure. I, I try and cook people with pressure. And eventually, if I can get what I want, um, they break from the pressure and get past the guard or case what they Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. But yeah, I use a lot of strength. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> Uh, uh, speaking speaking of strength, so I believe that um, you're a big Arnie fan. Is that right? Oh, I am tell a us, huge Arnie fan. Tell yeah. us, um, so what's your favourite 80s action movie? Uh, I'd probably have to be Predator. Yeah. Which so one? Go past Predator. Predator? Predator. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. That's a pretty cool movie. Yeah. Um, I also love movies like Robocop. Robocop is such a great movie, Die Hard. I do not remember yeah. Arnie in Robocop, man. This is an Arnie. Oh, I know, but I'm, I'm jumping. I'm jumping okay. just the 80s in general. Just I'm 80s a product movies, of yeah. my time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, huge, huge Arnie fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I asked for some dirt on you, and, and that was that was pretty much all I could get. So. Oh, that's <laughs> not very dirty. <laughs> you asked the wrong person, clearly. Yeah. But well, 80s was a time for like cheesy lines in action movies. Do you ever use them when you're like submitting someone? Like, you know. Whatever. I love trash talking Luke people. Mal. Yeah, if I'm rolling with someone, I the thing I like about jiu-jitsu the most is when you finish the hard session and everyone's sitting up against the wall and you're just talking shit about each other and slagging on each other. I, that's just a lot of fun. I think eventually when you know we're all gonna have to retire at some point, that's what I'm gonna miss the most is just sitting up against the wall when you're a sweaty mess. Yeah, and just ragging each other. I need mm. to do more sitting up against the wall as a sweaty mess. I don't do that, right? I go to the gym. I do my class. I go as, as best as I can, and then I get out of there because I'm always going to the next thing. So I'm missing out on something here. I'm missing yeah. out on the sweaty. That's the fun part. There's like I'm missing out on lots of photo opportunities because that's where all the good jujitsu photos seem to happen. But also, yeah, yeah. like is it an important part of jujitsu? The sweaty wall mess hang. Is it? Yeah, I did the sweaty wall best hang. And then um, after every jiu-jitsu session, I always do weights. Oh, All right. Okay. Yeah, Dominance has a, a good gym, um, a gym there, a weight gym. Mm -hmm. And if you can do your session and then chat to the boys and, and girls afterwards, and then um, I'm already warmed up and there's a gym there. So mm -hmm. if I go straight to the change rooms, I tend to have to wait for a shower. So it's going to have to, it's going to take a little while. So I just go straight into the gym. I do a 10 minute workout mm -hmm. and I think that's the one of the keys to longevity um, in this sport is I think you need to get your joints and you need to load them under heavy weights. Mm. And 
and load them to the point where you can still control the weight. I think once you start shaking or it's, uh, you're heading towards failure, I think that's too heavy if you're doing jiu-jitsu at the same time. Mm-hmm. But just get it as heavy as you can and control it uh, perfectly and, and do as many reps as you can. And that's it. Your joints will love you for it. Love I think it. You, you don't issues. find um, that you're too fatigued for that after straight after a jiu-jitsu session? Um, I just don't think you need that much energy to do weights. So I think even if you're fatigued from rolling, and you just go in and do bench press two sets. I think you can still do it, especially if you had mm. a 10 minute break in train. Um, could I do another round? No, I couldn't do another round, another five minute round, but I could do a set of bench press that goes for 30 seconds. And uh, especially if I've waited a little bit. Um, yeah, so I think it's a good habit to get into. Just do that after each time. And I find I tend, when I'm, when I'm leaving, I've had my shower while I'm walking out. I tend to be leaving at the same time as everyone else anyway, because they've been, sitting there actually chatting, mm. but I've got this workout. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I've just recently my, my game. I do my weight. I get to the gym either between 10 and 20 minutes early and I do a group of muscles before training. It's it's really because I couldn't, I wasn't getting my weights in and I knew I was heading for injury. Yeah. In fact, I'm dealing with a few things right now. I was like, no, you got to start lifting. Yeah. So I just thought I'll chuck it at the front end, but chucking in the back end also makes good sense, man. I might try that out for myself and see as well. Well, I think you're already warm. Before the, before the class, I do a wrong ergo. So I do a 1500 meter wrong ergo to warm up and fatigue myself a bit. Then I do my rounds and then I do the weights afterwards. And I tend to do the weights afterwards because I just feel like it's the least important. So I think everything else is more important. And if I have a really hard session on the mats and my weight suffered because of it, I'm happy with that. Mm. But I don't want my uh, jiu-jitsu session to suffer because of my weights. And also every time I've been injured in jiu-jitsu, there's usually been a, a failure of strength there somewhere where you know someone's gone, I've gone for a shot and someone's sprawled and perhaps they should have won the position and got to my back, but I've just collapsed or something's happened and my knee's gone. And um, that's why when I do the jiu-jitsu sessions, I want to make sure I'm at my strongest. Mm. And, uh, and also when I do my jiu-jitsu sessions, I try not to redline. I don't want to go too hard. If you want to go hard, do that. Go for a run and run yourself from the ground or, or jump on the ergo, red, redline yourself there because it's safe. Mm. But I think if you're doing jiu-jitsu, you start getting tired, your brain gets foggy. That's when mistakes happen. So mm. as part yeah. of avoiding injuries, I just... I want to be strong. I want to be focused and alert. And um, yeah, touch wood, I, I tend not to get injured much if I follow those rules. So what injuries have you had, Joseph? Tell us. I've had only got nine minutes injuries. left if there's too many. <laughs> no, I actually, I haven't had, <laughs> I have not had that many injuries. Um, I've had niggling things, like everyone has niggling things. Um you know, meniscus issues um, in my knees and whatnot, but I've never had anything that's taken me out for a serious amount of time. Oh, wow. Um, my game's very conservative. Um, I have this, um, I call it four amigo rules, um, which is, um, or the four amigo rule, that um, at every time I have to be detecting my four amigos, which is my legs and my hands. It's really five if I include my head. And if you're passing someone's guard and your leg is caught up in their guard, you have to go back and defend your arm. It's more mm. important to protect Don't yourself. Don't leave them in the trenches. Yeah. I see. No, no one's left behind. No yeah. one's left behind. And if you feel like, oh, but I've almost got this, and you're 90% sure you've got that, but he has 10% on, of something on you, 
go right. defend the 10%. But what and about a kamikaze you amigo? Like I sometimes use my leg, I keep it in there. Like it's like you stay yeah. back while I go for the neck here and I'll use that to kind yeah. of pin their, pin their body. Is it kamikaze amigo well, okay? But I think that works, um, you know, most of the time, but eventually you roll that dice and the leg's left behind and it gets injured. So, okay. so I prefer to just run everything behind, keep in mind, defend all my joints and um, yeah, protect, protect everything. I don't care if it seems like just a little thing they've got, don't let them build up an attack on any joint and yeah. just undo it all. Even if that means you're undoing more of your game, because if your game's good enough, you should be able to get back what you had in the first place anyway. And if you do yeah. it for long enough, something something unexpected will happen. And that's when the joint gets jarred. So I just try and stay out of those positions. Mm. That's cool. And so you've been around for like more than 20 years. Tell us about yeah. some of the, the changes you've seen in the scene since you started. Well, when, when I talked about, um, I got to Purple Belt and I, I took probably a five or six year break. And I remember coming back and I didn't even recognize jujitsu. I'd never seen a dance choke before. So I was like, what the hell? I was doing um, underhook escapes and people are dancing me. I didn't even know that was an option. Um, that was really surprising. I hadn't, obviously didn't know what a Bolo was. And um, even De La Hiva, I remember when I stopped, we had, um, we called it outside. And it was, I just thought it was useless. You know, there was like one or two moves you could do from there. Mm. And they weren't that great. And then I came back, everyone was doing Della Heva. Mm. And it was devastating. I actually think it was devastating. There were so many techniques in there, but I think a lot of the old school techniques had been forgotten as well. So I was actually having a lot of success just bringing back some of those old moves. But they were having a lot of success against me because I, had, I hadn't seen any of this new stuff. Um, so it's incredible how fast Jiu-Jitsu evolves. Yeah. Just leave them out for three months and come back. People are doing all this new stuff they've never seen before. Wow. So, and I think that's what makes it so effective is that it's just continually adapting to new problems. And when you look at your older traditional uh, martial arts, they don't, they're just static. These are the moves, they always work. And um, jujitsu is different, just it's an evolution sport. That's so cool, man. I've never thought about it that way. But yeah, jujitsu is, in fact, there's the name for the podcast I'm thinking. Jiu-jitsu is different. It's an evolution sport because yeah, like one of the things I kind of beat myself up and I've seen, I literally have seen black belts who can't do single X and X. Like I took it upon myself as yeah. a late purple belt to really get a hold of these things, which I should have known a long time ago. Right. But the, mm. the thing is I hadn't like I'd done them, but never put them in my game. And then I'm realizing mm. it's forgivable to be a black belt and to not be able to do or demonstrate all of the techniques because there are so many, it's a moving target. When you get your black belt, it's a whole different world to the world that you're in as a black belt, say 10 years later, it's the black, it's the belt you never kind of get off most, sure. most of the time. And so if someone says do a, you know, blah, 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 there's a good chance you've never properly studied it. You know, it's like there's yeah. so many moving parts to this thing. So would you well, agree with that? Go, go back to that picture before of uh, my brother with my, um, my nephew and nieces, my kids, sure. my son came up to me, Marcus, and said, oh, dad, can you show me the scissor sweep? And I know how to do a scissor sweep. We all know how to do a scissor sweep. But I can't do a really effective scissor sweep. Like, I wouldn't be able to scissor sweep a blue belt, I don't think. Because I, when I learned it, I was like, oh, this really isn't for me. I, I won't really do it. But um, Oliver, who's in that picture, he's 14. He has an amazing scissor sweep. He's a Is this the this him, yeah, his yeah. scissor sweep is awesome. And I watch him when he's scissor sweeping other people in his class. 
and he's setting it up. There's a strategy, there's a whole game plan. And then my boy's saying to me, teach me scissor sweep. And I'm saying, no, go learn from the grave of gray belt. His scissor sweep is better than mine and I'm a black belt. Like, <laughs> yeah. He has so much levels of detail and he's yeah. put the time into it. Wow. And I know I know my techniques. Um, that, you know, I don't think there's many people who know much more about the techniques I do, but the techniques I don't do, mm-hmm. find a good blue belt. He would know it better yeah. because he does it day in, day out, all the time. So, yeah, I know every technique. Um, or not every technique, but I know I could demonstrate these techniques, but most of them I don't do well mm-hmm. because they're not part of my A game. I know how yeah. to defend them, but I'm not going to be able to show you how to do it better than a blue belt when it is their game. I love that view. Yeah, yeah. and then I think that's also what can be quite overwhelming for people in the beginning, like white and blue belt, because there's just so much information. And like yeah. you said, you've just got to kind of extract the things that are going to work the best for you. Yeah, I don't know if it's right or not, but sometimes when we're learning a technique in class, especially if I'm partnered with another female, sometimes I'll say, look, let's do this technique. But to be honest, we're probably never going to use this because this isn't going to work yeah. for our body type. Like <laughs> it's just not. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Not, so there's just so much out there, but you just take those things that you need and then yeah. kind of put the rest of the back way, way back at the back of the brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've well, only, got, right. we've only yeah. got about two and a half minutes left, Joseph. So just, um, yeah, conscious of time and you've given us such a wealth of knowledge. Like mm. it's been amazing. We could have done another two. Maybe we'll get your brother and you back on together and we'll do because we <laughs> oh, haven't should, had brothers. You on. should talk to George. He's, as, as I was saying to you guys, he's had a lot of injuries and He's really, really good. Uh, he's a purple belt, but I think he should be brown. He's been around forever, and he um, he's my my training partner, my drilling partner. So he knows my game back to front. I know his game back to front, and awesome. yeah, he's really, really good. Yeah. Do you have any any final words for our listeners? Any any parting thoughts? Um, just keep going. That's the thing with jujitsu. I think um, just don't stop. And I think Kim, you're right at the start. Don't go twelve times a week. Because you'll only do it for a year or two. You need to go three or four times a week, but do it for 20 years. And if you do that, anyone can get a black belt. And it's, it's worth getting. It's, um, and it's a fun journey. You know, Jiu-Jitsu is a lot of fun. Marking around, coming up with new strategies and joking with your mates. And so yeah, it's, a, it's a great sport to do and still be part of. And hopefully we'll do another podcast in 10 years and I'm still, <laughs> still doing Jiu-Jitsu. The uh, joints are still holding up. So fingers crossed. Awesome, oh, brother. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll have this episode out in a couple of weeks. I think we've got one or two others in the in the pipeline in the meantime. But if you could share this on your social media, that'll be awesome. We're we'll a little podcast trying to grow to get bigger. And um, yeah, thank you very much for giving up your time and look forward to seeing you on the mats. No, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.